Another episode of Bible and Wine Time, and I'm your host, Professor Claris. Today's episode is for truth seekers and free thinkers. If you like to live dangerously, then please continue. However, if you are afraid or fearful, then turn back now. Stop this podcast immediately. Or actually, don't. Yeah, please don't stop this podcast right now. Keep listening. Are you still listening? Yeah? Awesome! All right. Well, let's begin with today's episode, then defining truth. Or at least the word truth from a biblical perspective. Now, before I continue, I would like to let you all know that I do have back with me today special guest, Dr. Patty Graham from Rose Worship and Healing Rooms, who has a doctorate of theology. Is that correct? That's correct, Professor Claris. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll move on. Now, listen, listeners. You pay careful or close attention, or you just might miss what's about to be said. Although, if you're listening, I really doubt you'll miss it. Anyway... For our first definition, we'll begin with a statement from Scripture. And this Scripture, or passage of Scripture, is John 14, 6-7. In the voice, Jesus says, I am the path, the truth, and the energy of life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you know the Father. Rest assured now, you know him and have seen him. Just in case that didn't make sense or you just didn't like that translation or version, version, translation, translation. Why do we use these words like this? Dr. Graham, any insight into that? Are those just words that we use to describe various translations and versions? I think those are just words we use to describe various translations and versions. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Um. Well, just in case you didn't like that one, here's another one for you. And this is how the Passion Translation puts it. Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. Now that we have these two verses, I propose we take a deeper look by using one of my favorite methods, exegesis. In case you don't know what that is, I defined it in the first episode. So if you really want to know, well, you could probably just go back and listen to the first episode or, you know, use the internet. But anyway, here's the Greek word for... 
that's that's my drum roll sound. I think it sounds more like a machine gun, yes. but whatever. <laughs> this is the Greek word for truth in this passage, anyway. Uh, Strong's number 225, in case you don't know what the Strong's number is, that is uh, from a concordance called Strong's Concordance of the Bible. Usually King James, but sometimes NIV. But I think those mostly use Cohenberger numbers. Anyway, Strong's number 225, the Greek word aletheia. I think I said that right. Aletheia. Anyway, according to Thayer's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, aletheia can also, well, I guess it can mean a lot of things. But instead of reading them all to you, I'll present a few. And if you really want to know more, you can find it probably on the internet. Or, if you happen to have Thayer's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, or you know where to buy it, you can find it there, too. All right. In... Section 1, 2C, on page number 26, we see this. The truth is taught in the Christian religion, respecting God and the execution of his purposes through Christ, and respecting the duties of man, opposed alike to the superstitions of the Gentiles and the inventions of the Jews and the corrupt opinions and precepts of false teachers, even among Christians. Hmm. Well, I would say that corrupt opinions are not truth. So let's keep looking to continue to define truth. Obviously, it's not corrupt. The truth, which is in the gospel, or which the gospel presents, well, that is not corrupt, and that is definitely truth. Any comments or conjecture or question at this point, Dr. Graham? No, except that is the truth. Fantastic. All right. (laughs) Well, the Spirit of God. Oh, here's more definition. The Spirit of God, which is truth. You can find that in 1 John 5, 6. And imbues men with the knowledge of the truth. Wait a minute. Did that just say the Spirit of God is truth? Yes, you did. I think that's the definition. I read that. Yes. That's in theirs, by the way. Hmm. Let's keep going. Oh, yeah. The Spirit of God, which is truth, and abuse men with the knowledge of the truth. And now, I'll share this one other gem from Thayer's. And it's in part two? Uh, That's what I wrote down anyway. I really don't remember. Anyway, if you've got it, look in Roman numeral two. Here it is, though, the truth as it is discerned in thee, thy habit of thinking and acting incongruity with truth. And that's in 3 John 3. Mm. All right. Let's go ahead and look at another book. And this one is Vine's Complete Expository Dictionary of Old and New Testament Words. If you have that, I would encourage you to find it and follow along. This is on page 64 under heading True. Truly, truth. In section C, we find these words. Truth is used objectively, signifying the reality lying at the basis of an appearance. The manifested variable essence... (coughs) Excuse me while I say that again. 
the manifested veritable essence of a matter. And that's Romans 9.1. All right, well, let's go ahead and look at a few scriptures. Yeah, Romans 9.1 is where we'll start. All right. Romans 9.1, in the voice. Now, let me speak the truth as plainly as I know it in the anointed one. I am not lying when I say that my conscience and the Holy Spirit are witnesses. Let's go on and read the next one. John 14.17. In the message says... Oh, hold on. I have some notes here about the message. What is it I'm saying about the message? The message translation version. Oh, yeah, that's it. It's a paraphrase. And it's meant to communicate the meaning of the context of the original scriptures and languages. Or the intent of the authors in modern language. And in my opinion, it does a one difference, viniferous job of that. So, folks, just so you know, there's a difference between a translation, a version, and a paraphrase. Hmm. Anyway, moving on. John 14, 17, in the message. And it, oh, wait a minute. The message doesn't have verse numbers exactly. It presents scriptures and verses in chunks. And if you have a paperback, you're just reading the whole chapter. So don't even try to find the verse number in that. But if you have an app like BibleGateway.com, you could find John 14, 15 through 17. And that's actually what we're going to read. And this is what it says. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for. But you know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. And here's John fourteen seventeen in the complete Jewish Bible. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees nor knows him. You know him because he is staying with you and will be united with you. First John 5, 6 in the Passion Translation says this. Jesus Christ is the one who was revealed as God's Son by his water baptism and by the blood of his cross, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms this with his testimony. Dr. Graham? Yes. Any, I, yes, any I, insight for us? Um, I, just, I just like the both versions where they really emphasize the spirit of truth testifies. Excellent. Well, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. From these verses, I propose a common theme can be derived. Well, at least the last few being John 14, 15 through 17 and 1 John 5, 6. The truth I propose isn't just some sort of hidden knowledge, though surely it exists, but no... The truth isn't just knowledge. It's both knowledge and knowledge from a spirit. And I propose to you is, in fact, the spirit. You know the one in First John 5, 6? Yes. All right. But wait, there's more. What's all this business about water and blood? The message here seems obvious, but I suspect there may be more to learn. So if you really want to know, truth seekers, you know where to look. And if you don't, Listen to the first episode and this episode, and I'll tell you again, BibleGateway.com, BibleHub.com, 
Dictionary.com is great, too, for defining words. And then in today's episode, there's Greek and English lexicon of the New Testament in Vines. Complete expository dictionary of Old and New Testament words are all fantastic resources to study scripture and find the truth. Anyway, thanks for watching, and wait a minute. We're not watching this a podcast, and I forgot about the wine, didn't I? Yeah, it's time for the wine. All right, well, can you tell me what kind of wine it is that we're drinking today, Dr. Graham? Tabor Thunder 2014. And where's this wine from? Ah. Is it Israeli? I believe it is. And what kind of wine is it? That, I'm not sure. Let me look. Huh. Seems Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon. All right. So this is an Israeli cab right here. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and give it a sip and then uh, give people our opinions about it. All right. And folks, I want to let you know, we are not the most cultured wine drinkers, <laughs> but we sure are good at giving opinions. So yes. here we go. <laughs> now, if you really want to taste wine the right way. What are these glasses called? They got little bubbles in the bottom? I think they're aerator glasses. Aerator glasses. So aerator glasses help bring out what the flavors, the unique flavors of the wine. Mm-hmm. Is that right? And, and and you can smell it a little better. Is that correct? Yes. A swirl. A swirl. Yeah. You swirl it and then you sniff it. Right. And then, and then you just like, you, you sort of, you're supposed to just rinse your mouth with it. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Let it roll over your tongue. Hmm. Well, I gotta say, I don't have the most discerning palate, but I like this one. Yes. I have. Oh, it's a little smoky. That's a good word for it. Smoky, oaky. Yeah, a little smoky, little oaky in this one. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm not sure what thunder's supposed to taste like, but I think this tastes pretty good. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of some scotches that I've had, except it's a wine. It's a good wine. It's a good wine. This is a, yeah, this is a good one. If you like smoky and oaky, then what's the name of this wine again? Thunder. Who's a, who makes it? Tabor. Then Thunder Cabernet Sauvignon by Tabor is a fantastic smoky, oaky wine. Anyway, I think that's all we've got for today. It's got a rich tastes just like the spirit of truth. Oh, yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to share? I just said. <laughs> oh, that's it. All right. Well, I I think that's it. Then that's it for today, folks. Thanks for listening again. I hope you're having a wonderful week. God bless you. This is Bible and Wine Time. I'm Professor Claris. Have a good one. Yeah.